If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to keep them open at Luke chapter 19 as we look at this passage and see what God has to share with us from it today. Over the, the past few years, I've noticed that more and more people are fundraising for air ambulance. Maybe you've been involved in various activities to, to raise support for that. It's been operational in Northern Ireland for over the last um, four or five years, I think. But it really has been an incredible resource to have. Almost every day, someone um, gets into a serious or life-threatening situation, and they need to call on the air ambulance. But whenever that crew gets the call, that emergency call, they're clearly told where they have to go to. They know the details of the people who they're going to rescue. They know how serious the situation is. And so they go directly to the scene. They don't hang about. They go to that very point of crisis. Because any delay could mean that lives are lost. And thankfully, through their quick intervention over the past number of years, many lives have been saved from death. Many people can rejoice today because they have been given life because of the actions of their ambulance and its crew. But today, as we look at this familiar passage in Luke 19, we see an even greater intervention, an even greater rescue. Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And we see that worked out in the life of this man, Zacchaeus. And as we look at this story, we'll see what it means to be lost in sin. We'll also see how Jesus seeks and saves those who are lost. And I trust today that as you hear God's word, there will be a change in each of our lives because we have come to joyfully receive Christ. So to set the scene here, Jesus had been moving from place to place with his disciples as you read throughout the Gospels. He was teaching as he went along, showing his authority in that. He was also healing people of various sicknesses and illnesses. But he made clear just previous to this that he was on his way to Jerusalem where he would suffer, he'd be killed, he would then be raised on the third day. This was the focus of his mission. And that's why in verse 1 here it says that as he entered Jericho, he was passing through he was on his way to fulfill and accomplish that great mission. But Jesus chose this route carefully on his way because it's on this road that he met this man, Zacchaeus, this lost man who came to seek and to save. So let's firstly look at how this man was lost in sin. Sometimes we can be very quick to label people based on what we know of them or what we see. You maybe look at people as they come into church and you look at how they're dressed. You maybe look at what car they pulled up into the car park in. You may be thinking about their family background or what you know of them. And maybe if it's someone with a, a good reputation, respectable job, or well attended at church, you might say, Hi, oh, well, that's a decent person. Not a bad soul, you might say. But maybe there's others you look at and you say, Well, boys, he's a bad rep, hasn't he? Or she's a wild person terrible. Because based on their reputation, what you know of them, what you've looked at, what you've seen on the outside, you say, well, there's no hope for that person. They're too far gone. They're awful sinners. I wonder how you would look at Zacchaeus in the days of Jesus. Zacchaeus would probably have looked quite respectable on the outer appearance and how he was dressed, wearing nice clothes, if he was here, he'd be driving a fancy car coming in. Because although he was a short man, he held a high position as the chief tax collector. 
His career was going places. He had responsibility over others. He was rich. He was well-to-do. Of course, it's not a sin to be rich or to have a good job or to have a good salary in itself. These can be a real blessing to others, and especially in the church if it's used wisely. But riches do bring their own challenges. The rich young man was talked about in the previous chapter, and he found out that the hard way that his wealth wasn't enough. We're told there that he went away sad because his wealth, his riches, was the most important thing in his life. And what did Jesus say to him there? How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. See, wealth was also the problem for Zacchaeus. He was all about the money, money, money. His focus was on the gain that he could get for himself. He didn't care about who would get in his way, who he had to trample on, who he would get. He was just tossed, tossed him out of the way. He didn't care. Anything for a bit of extra cash and to build up his own bank balance. And later in verse 8, he admits to himself that he had defrauded people. He had cheated people. And so as well as maybe looking nice in the outward appearance in terms of his dress, but people looked at him and they knew that this man was a crook. They knew that he had defrauded people. He wasn't popular. People avoided him when they saw him coming. They didn't want anything to do with him. Because in verse 7, they quickly called him a sinner. They knew what he was like. But of course, it is very easy for us to point the finger at other people and label them a sinner. We're, we're quite often very good at that. We can be very quick to do the same today with people who have committed serious crimes or have been involved in some sort of scandal. We might even compare ourselves to others and say, well, you know, I'm not that bad, really. I'm not as bad as your man over there or your woman down there. You say you're all right because I'm not a murderer or a thief or an adulterer. With these categories, we think, well, if we cross that boundary, we'll end up a sinner. And we categorize things, we compare things. But is it true to say that we're not in these categories or that we have not sinned? Of course not. Okay, you may not have physically murdered someone. Listen to the words of 1 John 3 and 15. It says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. Have we ever hated someone in our hearts? You may not be a convicted robber or, or committed large-scale tax fraud, but have you ever paid in cash knowing it would save you a few pounds? Have you ever some left, left some things out of your tax return knowing that it would benefit you? Maybe you haven't had an affair with someone else's husband or wife, but in Matthew 5, 28, it says, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, no one likes to think of themselves as a sinner. It's easier for us to point the finger at others, but when the finger is pointing at ourselves, it doesn't take too much peeling back of the layers to realize that we are sinful people. We can quickly expose the sin in our hearts and our lives. And the Bible makes clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, that all stems back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God had made everything perfect. All was good. Adam and Eve were in that perfect, intimate relationship with the Lord. But when they rebelled, when they sinned against God, it brought lasting consequences, not only for them, 
but for everyone who came after them. That relationship with God was broken. It was torn apart. They were put out of the garden. They were unable to come back or make their own way back. There was no way. That meant they were lost. They were facing eternal consequences for their sin and their actions. You see, being lost is not a nice place to be. I don't know if you've ever been lost or lost a child, but it's a really scary moment to be in. But to be lost for eternity is even more serious. To know that you will face the consequences of hell and the judgment of God is not a place where you want to be. But that's the place where Zacchaeus was at this point. He was lost. And that's the place where each one of us are if we are outside of Christ. If we haven't met with Jesus yet, then we are still lost. It doesn't matter how high you've gone in your career. It doesn't matter how well you're dressed or what sort of car you're in here today. Living a life your way and not God's way means that sadly your life can only be summed up one way, that you're a sinner who is still lost. But the good news is that that can change even today if you're still in that position. Because the Son of God came, Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that moves on then to our next point where we see how this man was saved by Jesus. See, so many people today live their lives a bit like Zacchaeus. They want to get up the ladder in their career. They want to make as much money as they can, as fast as they can, to enjoy life as much as they can. You soon realize that that enjoyment never truly comes. There's always that longing for more that desire for more, because you realize that these things in the world never satisfy. You can never get high enough to bring that peace and that fulfillment. And we see that with Zacchaeus here. He was searching for more, because when he hears about Jesus passing by, Jesus passing through Jericho, he, he desperately wanted to see him. Of course, Zacchaeus would have heard all the talk about Jesus around the town. They'd have heard about his great teaching, his miracles, what he'd been doing for outcasts. People like the blind beggar who come up just before this in chapter 18. Remember that man who was sitting at the roadside and he called out for mercy and the Lord gave him mercy. He received his sight and he had faith in Jesus. But Zacchaeus thought it was worth having a look at this man, Jesus. Maybe he would have the answers. Maybe he was the one who could offer him something more, something better, something that would bring that peace and fulfillment in his life. But as you remember from the little children's song, Zacchaeus was a very little man and a very little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Savior he wanted to see. I loved climbing trees as a boy, and maybe the boys here today love climbing trees. But it's not something I continue to do now. And as a grown man, it's not something really we do as men very much. I don't, certainly wouldn't go as high as I was when I was a boy. But here we have this grown man, Zacchaeus, someone of a certain position in society. He was climbing a tree. It certainly wasn't the sort of thing that would be expected. It was doing away with all sort of etiquette of the day. But he didn't care because he was determined to see Jesus one way or the other. He had been given this desire to see this man Jesus, to hear more about him, to understand something more of who he is. It's not quite often how God works in someone's life. There's a greater interest in the things of God, 
There's a desire to know more about who Jesus is. You start to ask questions. You start to turn to the Bible. You come to church to hear more about the message that's been presented, the gospel. You see, there's that searching for answers. And maybe that's why you're here at church today. I don't know why you're here. I don't know many of you here. But if you have come today looking for answers, you have come to the right place because it's here that you hear from God through his word. And it is only here that your questions will be answered. And if you have anything you want to ask at the end, please come and speak to me or one of the elders or another Christian that you know today. Don't leave without having those questions answered. But here we have Zacchaeus, this short man looking to see Jesus we must be clear that it is not his seeking that brought him to Jesus. It's not anything that he has done in this situation that could save him, because the Bible is very clear that salvation is of the Lord. Remember, at this point, Zacchaeus was high up in a tree. He was up in among the leaves, hidden from sight. But as we see in verse 5, it was Jesus who took the initiative here. It says that Jesus came to that place. See, this wasn't a random meeting. He didn't just happen to stop below this particular tree and look up. You know, what would cause Jesus to look up into that tree if he was just walking along? You know, the son of the man, the one who was fully God and fully man at the same time, walked that way at that particular time to seek out and to save Zacchaeus, this man who was lost. And so at that appointed time, he called out, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Do you not think it's incredible that Jesus knew him by name, that he called him by name? It reminds me of John 10, where Jesus compared himself to a shepherd, and he said, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by what? By name and he leads them out. When Jesus called his name, Zacchaeus heard his voice and responded. And not only did he come out of the tree, but more importantly, he came to receive Jesus as his Savior. Maybe as you're reading that, you're saying, well, how do we actually know that this lost and corrupt sinner was saved from his sin? Look at verse 6. It says, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I believe it's in that moment that Zacchaeus truly came to know Jesus as his Savior because he didn't only receive him into his home for a cup of tea, he received him into his life joyfully. And Jesus confirms that in verse 9 as he says, salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. And to be called a son of Abraham meant that Zacchaeus had truly been brought into that covenant family of God. It meant that he had received that promised Messiah by faith. And so he was rejoicing in Christ Jesus as his personal Savior now. Look, it's no coincidence that you are here today. I don't know many of you by name, but the Lord does. He knows every one of you. He knows every detail of your life. And whether you think you've come here seeking Jesus or not, whether you think you've just come out of duty of another Sunday, because that's what you do on a Sunday, for whatever reason you think you have come today, you have come because Jesus is seeking to save those who are lost. And maybe today, even in this moment, Jesus is calling you by name. 
calling you into a relationship with him because you are lost, but you need to be found. And how great it is when we can truly be glad like Zacchaeus. How great it is to know that salvation in our life, to receive Jesus, not just into our home for a cup of tea like Zacchaeus, but to receive him joyfully into your heart, into your life. You know that you're no longer lost in sin, but you have been wonderfully saved through all that Jesus accomplished at the cross. That by looking to him by faith, you are cleansed, you are forgiven, you are secure now and forevermore. Can you rejoice in that today? Do you know that he's called you by name and has truly saved you? Finally then, I want us to see that this man was clearly changed. We've been thinking about Zacchaeus here, this man who was a tax collector, and tax collectors aren't people we maybe want to associate much with. I don't know if there's any here today. But I wonder if the inland revenue was to look through your accounts if you were to be saved, say today or in the, in the past number of weeks, and they looked at your accounts, could they see a change even in your finances? Would there be a time when the income is higher because everything is now declared? Would they be able to see a dramatic increase in the amount that is given to the church or to your supportive mission or to charities? Would there be a point that would be clear to see there was a change in your life or my life, even by looking at our finances. Because you see, when Jesus has changed your life, it must affect every area of your life. It will even affect how you spend your money. It will change what your priorities are, what your focus is in life. It will change the way you talk to people, how you respond to them, how you act in different situations. You will want to honor Christ in your family and the way you bring up your children if you have children. It will change how you interact with others even in the church community. You see, people should notice that there is a change in your life, that there is something different, that your life is no longer your own, but it belongs to Christ. And we see that was the case, don't we? That there was an immediate change in how he lived his life. Because look at verse 8, he says, Lord, Half of the goods, my goods, I give to the poor. See, he knew he couldn't live the way he had before. He's no longer thinking about his own needs first, but he's thinking now about others around him. He's thinking about the poor and needy. No longer is he trying to hoard stuff for himself, but he has compassion on those around him, just like Christ had. And you see, if we have been saved by Christ, then surely we are concerned about those around us. We should be concerned about how many are having to use food banks in our communities today, those who are struggling even our own land to put food on the table. Do we have compassion for those who are orphans, who are widows, who are vulnerable in society today, not only in our own land, but all across the world? Because see, when that change has happened in our life, we will look out not only for our own needs, but for the needs of others, more importantly. We'll see what we can do to help where we can. But Zacchaeus also said, if I've defrauded anyone else of anything, I restore it fourfold. And maybe you're wondering why he decided to do it fourfold. But this is also evidence of a changed life. He's shown that he's truly repented of his old money-grabbing sinful lifestyle. He's realized how destructive his ways were and how hurtful that's been in others. But he's trying to repair that relationship. 
but he didn't just pluck this fourfold amount out of thin air. This was based on God's law as it is written in his word in Exodus 22, which talks there about stealing and about how people can repay and how much they're to repay. You see, when someone is saved by Jesus, there's that desire to live by God's word. And that's what we see even in these initial moments of Zacchaeus' life after he's been saved. He's wanting to be obedient to God's word. And so he's not turning around to Jesus and haggling over how much he can give back to these people. He's not trying to scrimp and save or get away with what he can. No, he's been obedient. He's desiring to live by God's word. And, and so we too in today's life, we shouldn't be living as Christians who are just haggling over about the little details of how much we give away. We shouldn't be haggling over how much time we commit to. We should be generous. We should be committed to giving and serving both in our finances and our time and our time for prayer. Because you see, if we are serving the Lord and obedient to his word, these things will come out of a desire that is within us, not out of something that we're being forced to do. They will come out of a response and a change in our life that only Jesus can bring about. They will come out of a desire to live like Christ the one who perfectly obeyed God's word. But I wonder, is that apparent in your life and mine today? Do people see that ongoing change within us as we become more like Jesus? Of course, it won't be easy. And it wasn't easy for Zacchaeus in those days. It brought a financial cost to him. This was going to cost him hard in the pocket. You know, we must be clear today that there is a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to having him as your savior. Jesus said himself, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, when you're a follower of Jesus, it will involve sacrifice. It will bring a cost as you live your life in service of him. But are you willing to take up your life and follow after him? Are you willing to commit to whatever it will cost? Because you see, Jesus knew the greatest cost. For him to accomplish that saving work, it cost him much more than what it costs Zacchaeus to pay out of his pocket. It cost much more than we can give in our service. It cost Jesus his life. Because after he passed on through Jericho, after he had met with Zacchaeus in his home, he went on all the way to the cross. And there he paid the ultimate price as he took on our sin and the punishment that you and I deserved for it. So that through believing in Christ alone and all that he accomplished in his death and his resurrection, those who were lost can be wonderfully saved and receive eternal life through Christ. It's my prayer that no one will leave here today still lost in their sin. That is not the place you want to leave today. We've heard the good news of Jesus as you hear week in, week out in this pulpit, in this congregation, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's the greatest rescue. That's even greater than anything the air ambulance can do. That is the rescue that each one of us needs. But can you say today with Zacchaeus that you have received Christ joyfully? Can you say that today? 
Are you rejoicing in Christ? Can you see that work of God's grace in you, which has brought about that repentance and faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? May we all truly rejoice in what he has done for us as he gave his life for us and brought us into that everlasting relationship with him as our Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how it clearly brings us to Christ Jesus. We thank you that the Son of Man came into this world, that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. And Lord, your word is clear that all of us are lost in our sin. All of us have gone far from you. All of us have failed to meet up to your glorious standards. Lord, we were in a desperate situation. And just like Zacchaeus, we were outside of that kingdom of Christ. But Lord, we thank you that Jesus did come, that he came to seek, he came to accomplish that great plan of salvation. And through that, he has brought your people, your elect, into that relationship with you as he calls on us by name, as he brings us to that saving faith and trust in him as our Lord. And we pray today even that someone might hear that call on their life and respond in faith and repentance and live their lives for you. Lord, may we see that ongoing change in our lives day by day as you work in us by your Spirit. As we hear your word, may we be conformed more to the likeness of Christ. And may we live lives that are pleasing to you in every way this week. For in Jesus' name we pray.